0: we have my niece uh over this weekend. We had her last weekend and uh there's certain situations where you're with a kid and uh I'm kind of an adult these days and uh and there's certain situations where where a kid, you'll see it, they'll all of a sudden, if you're in public and they feel lost or if they feel scared, all of a sudden it's like they, they look and you can see this kind of deer in headlight look, but it's it's a look for you. Like it's the the grab of the hand because you know that they like all of a sudden they sense danger or they don't know where you went or or you are just, or they're scared or, or whatever. Uh, and... And you know, there's, there, the other night, me and Leah, I did something dumb. Uh, don't tell uh, Leah's mom. Uh, but uh, we, we went down to watch the movie in the park. There's free movies in the park on uh, Friday nights at Memorial Park in Wilsonville. So if you didn't know that, now you do. Uh, and we went down there. And it was McFarland. If you've, It's about a cross-country team. Uh, you know, have you ever seen the movie Drumline? You, you remember that movie, anybody? It, like, made Drumline super awesome. Like, I wanted to be part of Drumline. And McFarland did that for cross-country. I never had any interest in cross-country until watching that. But not a kid's movie, so I've seen half of McFarland now. And so in the middle, he is like, hey, this is good, but I'm bored. Um, and I don't know what she defines as a good movie, if it was boring her. But she's like, let's go. And we had walked down and it was light and if you know Memorial Park it sits at the bottom of a little forest and I'm like I have a pregnant wife at home she's been doing stuff all day we'll just walk home and and we're like all of a sudden, I'm realizing, like, I can't see two feet in front of me, and I have an almost five-year-old next to me. It was kind of a scary moment, and it was, you know, in those types of moments, it's easier to get Leah to, like, stand right next to me because she realizes, like, well, I don't want to get left in the woods, you know? I don't want to get left in the forest. I remember just, like, a year ago, we were in Disneyland with them, uh, and We were on some ride, and uh, Leah does so much better now at expressing fear and things like that, but uh, as a four-year-old, as a little four-year-old, she wouldn't express fear at all, Uh, but I remember, I don't remember the ride, but I just remember we were on it together. Uh, She always wanted to go and ride with her Aunt Brynn, but a couple of times I guilt tripped her into riding with me, and I just felt her grabbing her fingers and her fingernails into my back, and it's like she just needed to know I was there, And, and this feeling, while we have to kind of suck it up as we become adults, this feeling doesn't go away. I remember, and, and some of the, the people here uh, that, that make this church run now were a part of the youth group when this happened, but when I started at the church 10 years ago, uh, in three days, I know nobody's sent me a card or anything, but in three days, I'll have been at this church for 10 years in one capacity or another, uh, and one of the first things we did uh, is we, we were at a camp. It was like the first camp I was running, and we, it was Winter Wild, Winter Wild that existed long before me. And we're driving over the mountain to Sun River. Uh, and I see headlights in the back. I'm, I'm watching for the people behind me. I'm a responsible 21-year-old, you know. And, uh, and I'm watching for people behind me. And I see headlights, and it's dark. The headlights look like the right headlights to me. A- and we get over the pass... And my phone just starts exploding, like there's phone calls coming from everybody I've ever known at our church, which is about 10 people at that time, like, and what had happened is that the trailer that was being pulled with all of the luggage had got the flat tire, and AAA won't fix trailer tires, and the person bringing it had forgotten their spare. And, and we had lost cell phone service in about a 20-foot kind of span where we, I had had it, and then they had lost it, and we had crossed the pass, but they still had the cell phone service where they got the flat tire. It was seven degrees outside, and I was told this afterwards. The high school kids, I don't know, there's probably... 20 kids 15 20 kids left behind are apparently on the side of 22 playing football and stuff um in seven degree weather so I get over the pass and we have no way of getting this luggage there let alone all the rest of the kids and so get a hold of John South if any of you remember him who used to lead music for our high school group and and he's like my sister's in uh In Sisters, I think, actually. My sister is in Sisters, and she'll let you borrow her van. And I remember, so I go and get this van, and it's this—it's horrible. And I drive a horrible van now, and this was worse uh, than a, the, uh, that horrible, uh, our horrible van. And I remember I couldn't get the seat fixed, and it's all—you know—it's like seven degrees. It's not the best driving conditions. People crash on that road all the time. And and my back is like this up against the steering wheel, and I'm driving back over the pass. And I remember thinking quite vividly as a 21-year-old. I really wish my dad was here right now. I just remember thinking, and I think even I called my dad, I don't know what he was going to do for me, just to say, hey dad, uh, I'm stuck on a mountain. Uh, It took, by the way, if you were curious, it took like seven and a half hours uh, from the time we left Wilsonville to get to Sun River. And if you've ever been to Sun River, it's not a seven and a half hour drive. But sometimes in life, don't we just feel, I think, maybe you do, like I wish that there was somebody else that was here with me to explain to me what I should do to comfort me, to pat me on the back, to tell me it's going to be okay, to say suck it up and deal with it, you know, something. I I just need somebody else to kind of be the voice of reason, to be a a voice of encouragement, to, to help me along. I think we have that. And here, this is awesome, and you might not like it right at first, but I think it's awesome. The Bible shows us, that if we're Christians, we in fact have that in, in what is called the Holy Spirit. Now, we're a Baptist church. We're a kind of Baptist church. That's what I always tell people, because if people are looking for a Baptist church, they never come back. I am kind of dressed up today, but, uh, but we're a Baptist church. And so in, in Baptist circles, which I've grown up in, it's like you, you believe in this thing called the Trinity, And that is that God is one form in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so the Father is kind of, I guess, what you kind of picture when you say the word God. You know, like this being up there who's in charge of everything. And they're all in charge of everything because there's one, right? But then the Son is who we call Jesus. And in my Baptist kind of growing up church circles, we really like the Father and we really like the Son. And then there's this Holy Spirit, this other part, this thing that's a spirit, and so that gets us a little weirded out, a- and it's like, like we believe in the Trinity, and you know we'd probably get really, ang- we would get really angry if people didn't like believe that the Holy Spirit was part of the Trinity, but we just like relegate him for the churches down the road, and a big part of that. Let's just be honest a big part of that is because a lot of people do a lot of weird stuff in the name of the Holy Spirit And next week you're gonna to have to stay tuned for this I'm gonna tell a whole bunch of stories because i've been around a lot of stuff where people do a lot of weird things All in the name of this this other being that makes up what we believe to be a godhead the Holy Spirit And so what's happened. This is kind of what happens in circles like ours not every church in this town, but in circles like ours, and I would say most of the churches in this town, we just kind of are like, we'll sing songs to the Father, we'll sing songs to Jesus, but we don't really want to talk about the Holy Spirit, because when we think about the Holy Spirit, we only think about stuff that we kind of label as weird, and we don't want to, to you know, deal with it or whatever, but here's the thing, we're, we're on this kind of three-week series, it's a five-week series, but we started it a year ago uh, in the hole in my calendar, and we've come back to it, and it's the spirituality of Christianity. And it's really, 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 really interesting, because as I said last week, when people think of Christianity, they think of a lot of things, but they usually don't think of spirituality. If you want spirituality, you go to yoga class or you go to an Eastern religion. You go somewhere other than Christianity in people's minds because Christianity is kind of about like singing some songs and listening to a sermon on Sunday, and, and then you know, also about following a bunch of rules in people's minds. However, this is crazy, this is really crazy. We're a pretty unique religion and that in that we believe, really believe this. That when people come into our religion, when people become Christians, when people become followers of Jesus, God, one of the beings that makes up our Godhead, the single God, actually comes into our lives. I don't know what that means. I think as kids we picture like something like kind of literally shoving its way into our hearts. But what I think it means is that in this spiritual realm, in our spirits, our souls, like God like comes into them in a way that molds and melds our soul to God and it's specifically through this being that we refer to as the Holy Spirit. And this morning, what I want to hypothesize is that this is really good news. It's not something to be scared of. It's not something to be weirded out by. Because when we look at what the Holy Spirit does for us, it's kind of like that hand that we reach out to when it's dark and we're just a little worried about what's going on. It's kind of that back that we grab when we go, is it going to be okay? It's that voice of reason that says, hey, you can get through this or you need to do this to get through this. And I think as we look at the Holy Spirit this morning, this is the goal. I don't know if it'll work, and especially, you know, if you're here and and you're not down the church, down the road at the other church or whatever, then maybe you're just going to, like, shut me out. But I think if you'll just listen to what the Holy Spirit does for us as Christians, if you're a Christian, then you're going to go, oh, maybe, maybe I should pay more attention to him. And next week, if you're wondering, like, how do I pay attention to the Holy Spirit, we're going to talk more about how to pay attention to the Holy Spirit. But today, we just need to say, like, maybe we should. Maybe we should. And so we're going to turn to John, and we're going to look at the words of Jesus in John 16, 5 and on. And here is how he begins. This is what Jesus says. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, listen to this, this is huge. It is for your good that I am going away. As Jesus moves towards dying on a cross, you probably know that part of the story. Going, he's moving towards dying on the cross. He knows it's coming. He knows that opposition is picking up. He knows by the Holy Spirit that his time is coming to be crucified. As he moves closer to that, he makes more and more clear to his disciples that he is going to leave them, that he's going to go away from them, and in just a few verses, if you were to skip down uh, later in chapter 16 to verse 19, you see that the disciples actually don't understand what's happening, they really don't get what he's talking about when he says that he's going away, because the disciples believed, and we talk about this a lot, because it's really important for understanding the New Testament, the disciples believe that Jesus is going to start a military revolution. He's going to overthrow the Romans who are oppressing the Jewish people and he's going to start uh, uh, his kingdom right here on earth and they're going to hang out with him and they're going to be put in charge. I mean, they would argue like, who's going to be most important when we sit on our thrones that are next to your thrones? And so as Jesus moves closer to death and he goes, here's the plan, guys. I'm going to leave you. It's like, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't fit and. My paradigm. I mean, that doesn't work. I, you're the Messiah. We know that. You've told us that. You're the promised one. You're going to start a revolution. A- a- and Jesus says to them here that apparently they're so sad by kind of this news that they don't understand that they don't ask, at least in this passage of scripture, they don't ask, like, this would be logical, right? Where are you going? Where are you going? And even, we see, if you just were to read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, at the beginning uh, of the New Testament in the Bible, if you were to read those, you would you would see that when Jesus tells them where he's going, I'm going to die, and then I'm going to rise again, they're like, no, 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 no. Like, that's not the plan. I mean, that, okay, you're just being metaphorical again. It's one of those sermon deals, you know. What, is he going to talk about a bush next? I mean, what, what's he saying here? Like, uh, they just, they refuse, I think, maybe what Jesus is getting at here, to really ask what the answer is to where he is going. You know what I mean? Like, you can ask a question sometimes, like, do you like this shirt? And all you're thinking is, is just tell me you like my shirt, you know? And that's all you're really asking. If somebody says no, then you go, well, you don't know anything about fashion anyway. You know what I mean? Like, that's stupid. And I think that's kind of what's happening here, is the disciples in other places are kind of going like, where are you going, Jesus? But they're not paying attention because they're sad about the idea that he is going to go away. Now here's the, this is the big part. He's just said that the that the disciples will be killed when he goes away. That makes sense that they're sad and they don't have a clue what's going on. And, and what Jesus is going to say at the end of this passage is absolutely huge. I mean, listen to the words. Listen to them again, ready? But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. John Calvin said this. Here Christ reproves the the apostles for two faults. First, that they were too much attached to the visible presence of his flesh. And secondly, that when this had been taken away, they were seized with grief and they did not lift their eyes for a higher region. The same thing happens to us. We always hold Christ Bound by our senses, and then if he does not appear to us according to our desire, we contrive for ourselves a ground of despair. You hear that? I mean, that's pretty smart words. He says, like, the disciples are in trouble with Jesus because they're really focused on his physical presence, and the idea of his physical presence going away is just causing them grief. They're refusing to focus on, ready for it, the spiritual parts of this faith. Now, this is what we do. I think this is what happens. If you're a Christian, you've said this before. If you're a non-Christian, you've probably even thought it before. I I just wish, I just wish that Jesus would be here and then he could explain this to me or fix this for me or show me what I should do. Have have you ever thought that? Have you ever said that before? If you're a non-Christian, you've thought it like, well, I could determine the truth, the reality of this Christianity thing if Jesus was just here. If I could just get a conversation, an interview with Jesus. And if you're a Christian, then you've thought it like this, like, wow, I'm in big trouble here. I don't really know what to do. If Jesus was here, then he would be able to explain it to me. He would fix it. He would tell me what I need to know. And this is kind of the thing that Jesus is getting at when he he reproves his disciples. You're too focused on my physical presence because because Christianity is inherently spiritual. Spiritual. And then this last part, I mean, isn't this, it's mind-blowing, given how we think and how the disciples thought and how everybody thinks. It is good for you, it is for your good that I am going away. Good actually translates a word that means to bear or bring together, to contribute, to collect, to be profitable, expedient, advantageous. I mean, Jesus is saying, this is what he's saying. Pay attention, this is very clear. Jesus is saying it is better for you It is more profitable for you if I leave. Weird. Weird thing to say. I mean, we're going to get to the background, but I can just imagine the disciples like, well, that's the stupidest thing he's ever said. You know, I mean, like they, they're clueless as to what he is talking about. And part of it is we want to jump to, and, and I'll be honest with you, this is where people jump that are kind of afraid of the Holy Spirit. They'll go, oh, it was, it was good for Jesus to go away because Jesus had to die on the cross. And we agree with that. We believe that. That's important. But that's immediately where, where people who have you know Baptist backgrounds, where people who are you know look at the church down the road and say, those are weirdos, they immediately, in the commentaries and stuff, they just want to go, well, what he means is that he's going to die on the cross and he's going to go into the grave and then he's going to rise again. And sure, that's part of it. But Jesus actually tells us what he means in the next verse. And he doesn't mean that, at least in the first sense. He says, unless I go away... The Advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. The Advocate is the Holy Spirit, if you didn't figure that out yet. And I call him, I'm referring to him as the forgotten part of the Trinity. And the Bible is clear, this is, this is kind of, let me just give you a history of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, before Jesus came, the books that are written there, we read about the Holy Spirit. And what happens with the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit will come upon people or a person for a very specific kind of powerful moment in time. And so the Holy Spirit will come down and Elijah will prophesy something incredible. Or the Holy Spirit will come down and David will kill a giant. And and we see these very specific kind of moments where the Holy Spirit empowers people. But God promises in Joel and in Ezekiel and probably other places that someday the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to rest upon God's people. He's going to stay. He's going to be there with them. He's going to interact with them forevermore. Jesus comes to earth. He hangs out, God in human form. He's with his disciples. And then he says this thing. He says this thing. It's better for you to go away, because when I go away, that is when you get the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's really cool about how the disciples would have thought about this and seen this and uh, just how their minds probably would have worked. They would have just thought of big, awesome things. I mean, they would have thought of like David killing Goliath and prophecy and fire raining down and Moses doing miracles. They would have thought like, wait a minute. If you go away, we're going to get this thing that has just done incredible work in the history of our faith, in the history of the Jewish nation, the Jewish religion. And so this is probably what they hear. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon us. Now, notice, I like this a lot, That Jesus uses a phrase, a Greek phrase, to refer to the Holy Spirit that that translates in a bunch of ways, but one of the ways it translates is advocate. Another one, and you've probably, if you've been around Christian circles and you've talked about the Holy Spirit, then you've seen these words, comforter, helper, and counselor. At At the most basic level. This is the title that Jesus gives to the Holy Spirit, who we think only weird things about, who we, who we worry sometimes about offending too much because there's a passage of scripture that we don't understand that Jesus says, you go to hell if you, if you, uh, you blaspheme the Holy Spirit. I mean, this, this kind of part of the Trinity that we rarely think about, when Jesus refers to him by a name, by a title, he says, the helper. This being who is going to help you now that's not that bad right i mean that's kind of like dad i need to talk dad i need to i need your help we need help and jesus wants to make clear first and foremost that no matter what you think already just scratch it out whatever you think about the holy spirit put this in your head if i am a christian then the holy spirit has come into my life to help me to provide me assistance that's cool And it's a big part of the spirituality of Christianity, because without being a Christian, you don't have this spiritual helper in your life. You just don't have it. And so here's what I want to do, just in not too long, but I want to do this. I want to first remind you that that when we become Christians, I'll show you a couple verses, that the Holy Spirit comes in our lives. And then I just want to really briefly just look at what the New Testament says uh, about ways in which the Holy Spirit helps us, because I think, I really think it's awesome I think that you'll go, oh, maybe I should pay attention. And first of all, 1 Corinthians six nineteen says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? If you're a Christian, then your body is a temple. Your life is a temple. You may have heard people say this. I think growing up and being in the church, the only way that I ever kind of heard that passage talked about is when people would tell others not to smoke. I don't know why. Maybe I'm like all alone in that, but that's the only Place that that ever got quoted. It's like God's big reason for including this little temple verse in the in the Bible is that just to tell people not to smoke, right? Like let's create a billboard and say your body's a temple, and everybody then is like, oh, I never thought of it that way. I ought to stop smoking this cigarette right now. That's the only way. And I could have been unique or alone, or it might have been a family thing. I don't know, but I don't think it was my family that ever said that. But that's not the point of the passage. Don't smoke a cigarette. Uh, The point is actually that you have taken the Holy Spirit into your life. And while God had reason and meaning and purpose for the temple in the Old Testament, the place of God's dwelling, you have become that. And so you need to act accordingly. And here's what the Holy Spirit does to help us. This this is great. This is great. First, he provides scripture. Scripture not really so specific right now, but Second Peter one twenty one says, For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I said this last week, and I say it all the time. We have this terrible idea, this terrible way of thinking, this, this just, I think this cultural Christian thing that really ruins the Bible, and that is, I should read the Bible more. And that's all we've made the Bible. I mean, it's like we just have made it this thing, like if I do it for, I don't know, set your time limit. If I do it for 15 minutes today, if I do it for five minutes today, then goal accomplished. I mean, that's kind of it. I did my job. And and 2 Peter uh, Peter writes to us and says, let me tell you how the Bible got here. Let me tell you how it got here. The Holy Spirit came upon people. A being that makes up the Godhead came upon people, and he caused them to write down these words so that you would know what God wants and how you should live so that you could be helped along the way of life. I have an idea. Considering that the Holy Spirit is our helper and that he is the one in large part responsibility for the words that we have in the Bible, what if you read the Bible and, and you didn't say, like, "I have to do this," but instead you said, "This is a book. That was created to help me. What if you just opened up the Bible? What if you went home this week and you said, okay, I'm not gonna read the Bible because I have to, because that pastor said that I didn't have chess, I didn't have to. Uh, but, but you just said, I'm gonna open this Bible and I'm gonna look for one thing, just one thing that's gonna help me this week in some way. Wouldn't that like change how you read it? I mean, you just open it up and you go, oh, that was helpful. Like, oh, you know, be nice to people. I mean, that's helpful. I mean, whatever it might be, just say, I'm looking for something that helps me because the person who wrote this, his title, according to Jesus, who we follow in the Christian faith, is the helper. That would be revolutionary, I think. The next thing he does, not as fun, he convicts us of sin. Sin a big part of what we'll see in the rest of this kind of passage as we read on but but I it's just think of this we talked about spiritually dark forces that exist last week and are fighting against us and and the goal of those spiritually dark forces is to cause us to be disobedient to God and God has counteracted that by by bringing the Holy Spirit into our lives and so the Holy Spirit is in Christians going this is wrong and this is right and this is wrong and this is right I picture it, and I probably shouldn't, but I do with the little Satan over here and the little angel over here, Uh, but it's it's the Holy Spirit saying, you already know what you ought to do because he's inside of you. Here's what I found about Christians that I counsel, that I sit with, that I talk to. They almost always, I'm talking like almost all, like 99% of the time, absolutely know the right and the wrong thing to do in the situation that I'm talking to them about rarely, rarely do I come across a situation where I'm talking to a Christian and they're like, should I do this and should I do that? And they, they actually don't know which one is right and which one is wrong. I mean, it's like, should I, should I leave my spouse for this other person? I'm not really sure what God wants. Nobody does that. They might lie. They might go, I'm not really sure. You know, God just wants me to be happy. Uh, You know, I mean, that's what people always say. But most, I mean, 99% of the time, people who are followers of Jesus go, I know what's right. And they might do some spiritual gymnastics, but they know what's right. And you know that's true, right? I mean, if you're a Christian sitting in front of me right now, you know that like 99% of the time when you do something wrong, already you knew it was wrong. You just kind of did it anyway. And the Bible makes clear that the Holy Spirit is the one causing you to know what that right is and what that wrong is. And he oftentimes works through the scripture that he has already provided for us. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22 says, Now it is God who makes both of us and you stand firm, both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, anointed, that's a new word. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit on our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And then Romans 8:16, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Holy Spirit, part of the way he helps us, is that he assures us that we're actually Christians. You've thought that before. Like, oh, can I know I'm going to heaven? And what we say in our Baptist circles is, well, have you accepted Jesus in your life? That's true. Great question. I think that's awesome. But we forget another part. Are you following, hearing from, listening to the Holy Spirit inside of you? Are you convicted when you do something wrong? Are you encouraged when you do something right? Are you able to tell what is right and what is wrong? And does it align with the Bible that has been provided for you? You see, it's not just, it's not just, and we have big trouble because Have you prayed something? Have you believed something? But the, the other question, the other side of that coin is, is God moving in you? Is something happening that is different because the Holy Spirit is coming to your life? There's this thing called the fruit of the spirit that you can read about in the Bible and and the Bible makes clear that if we're not producing fruit, metaphorically, if if things aren't changing in our lives because we have become Christians, then we're not Christians. There's no other way to say it. Then we're not actually Christians. And what the Holy Spirit does for us is when he comes into our lives, he changes things. If you can look back 10 years ago when you became a Christian and nothing is different, then you don't have the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit causes positive change in our lives, and it shows us that we are Christians. Here's another thing he does. He intercedes for us in prayer, Romans 8, 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. It's like he acts as a translator between God and us. We feel need. We know that we have problems. We know that we have struggles, but we don't know what specifically to pray. Have you ever been there? You're just like, I know this is bad. I know that I don't know what to do, but God, I need some help. And the Holy Spirit is the mediator, the interactor between us and Jesus who also acts as mediator so that God can can give us what we need. And next week we're gonna, this is, you know, this is maybe the kind of where we're touching on the scary this week, but but next week we're gonna talk about this more because the Bible is just ripe with this language that says, pray in the spirit. And that's not something we talk about or thinking about, but very often, but maybe we should. And and then the Bible tells us that that the Holy Spirit teaches us and he reveals truth to us and he guides us in spiritual matters. John 14, 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit. Whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. 1 Corinthians two fourteen through 16, the person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. The person with the spirit makes judgment about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human teachings. Four, who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ, because the Holy Spirit has come into us. We can think like God on some capacity, on some level. Here's what I think it's like. is just, I've, I've learned so much lately about the Holy Spirit, and I've learned it from Uh, one TV show and it's Quantum Leap and I told you I I only watch one TV show at a time because I become very obsessed and then it's in too many sermons and and I think about it all the time but I'm two episodes away from finishing the whole series, who does that, of Quantum Leap. Who remembers Quantum Leap? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Quantum Leap, show about a guy that's trapped in time, going round and round within the years of his own lifetime t- to set things right that once went wrong. That's from the opening uh, part of the show. And, and Sam Beckett is his name. It is basically, he'll fix a problem in somebody's life, and then he leaps quantum leaps, Uh, he leaps into another person's life and that's where the next episode starts and then uh, then he has to fix that for him. And in the opening and in the show, it says this, his only guide on the journey is somebody from the future named Al. And so what happens in, in the story, in the show, quantum leap, is that Al... Appears to him as a hologram and Al's like his best friend who's actually in the future where Sam Beckett came from and Al is with Sam in the difficult times of life, you're going to see this, now, I pause, pause, Al is like a really sleazy guy that's been married six times, so don't take the metaphor too long, too far, but Al shows up, and he's, eight. nobody can see him except for Sam, and he has this little, this little thing called Gushy, uh, it was like, I think Quantum Leap actually invented the internet, it's pretty incredible, they're always like, oh, he's offline, and it's like, Wait a minute, they didn't even have that technology yet. But he'll dial up his thing, and then he'll say, Hey, Sam, here's the information you need to know. Here's what you're here to try to fix. Here's what you need to do to make this happen. Gushy says that you have a 90% chance of messing things up if you do this. And, and this is, I know this sounds wacky and weird, but in full honesty, I've started to view the Holy Spirit this way. I mean, when you think about what the Bible has said, that the Holy Spirit comes into our lives that he interacts with us, he teaches us, he guides us into what is right and what is wrong, he, he reveals things to us that we otherwise could not have known, he convicts us of sin, which actually happens on the show because Sam will, will want to do his own thing for a while, and Al's there going, if you do this, you're going to mess up the course of history, and you said you would never do this, and you, you promised that this isn't how it would go, a- and I think, I think that the real key, I think, To recognizing the greatness of the spirituality of Christianity is to look at the Holy Spirit and go even, you know, perhaps, I don't know much about you. I only know what I heard in that sermon. I don't really understand you. I'm a little worried about you. However... I'm going to recognize that you're in my life and I'm going to recognize that if I listen to you, maybe something you'll have to learn to do, if I listen to you, if I pay attention to you, then I'm generally going to go the right direction and not the wrong direction. You see, we need to stop picturing the Holy Spirit as something that you know, goes down the church and makes uh, down the road to different churches or whatever and makes weird things happen. And we need to start picturing him as the hologram who exists right in our lives to lead us and guide us and to show us what we ought to do and what we ought not to do. When we begin, when we begin to recognize the Holy Spirit as a real being who exists in a real way that is here to help us, then I think it changes everything about the way that we live out this faith that we have come to if we are Christians. Now, if you're not a Christian, I just I want to pause and, and say, I'm not great at this. I'm not great. I didn't grow up in the right circles or whatever. I mean... Uh, but I think I do, uh, I've had some moments where it's like the Holy Spirit has just helped me. I've known ahead of time things I needed to know. I've, you know, not in some kind of weird way, but just like, you know, I'm prepared for things. I have ideas at the right moments. Things come to me when I'm on stage that I should say, and then people will say, wow, that was the best part of your sermon. I don't remember saying it until I go back to listening uh, to the sermons. Like, that was a great part, but I never wrote that in my notes, you know? I mean, I've seen the Holy Spirit's work, and if you're not a Christian, know this. That when you're like, I need somebody. I mean, when life takes you to a place where you're bent over in a van going, wow, kids are gonna die on the side of the road and I'm gonna cause a lawsuit. And you're like, I need some help. That as a non-Christian, you can't look inward and say, God is helping me. It's a great reason to become a Christian. I know we talk about heaven and don't go to hell and get into heaven, but, but a great reason to become a Christian is that we are provided a helper uh, as Christians that we otherwise don't have. And I just want a couple more verses. Uh, John 14, 12. Listen to what Jesus says. This is so important. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the the works I have been doing, and, check this out, listen, 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 and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Notice the similar language. I'm leaving, I'm going, and now he says greater things will happen. I mean, Jesus, you know, caused people to walk on water. He fed 5,000. He healed, you know, everybody he seemed to encounter. And he says greater things will happen. And then in John 14, 16, just, you know, like three verses later, he says four. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. If you're looking at your Christian life, uh, let's just think about what Jesus says here. You go, you know, I came into this thing, I became a Christian, and for a little while it was so awesome. Felt forgiveness, looked forward to heaven, wanted to tell everybody what had happened in my life. It just seemed so great. But you know, now here I am, I don't know, six months, 10 years, 35 years later, and it just. It doesn't seem like anything is coming of it anymore. It just seems like I'm kind of here going through the motions. I'm at church today, but I don't really want to be in church today. I just kind of do it out of routine, and I do read the Bible because I have to, and sometimes I even pray because I have to, and, and, and I haven't seen any miracles, and I haven't seen any good work, and I haven't talked to anybody about Jesus, and I kind of live life just like everybody else lives life, and it all kind of just seems like this, psh, this thing that doesn't really matter to me. Here's what I suggest. Perhaps, perhaps, you are not paying attention to the Holy Spirit. Perhaps, if you look back in your life, you go, yeah, I believed in God. Kind of grew up with that, you know. I mean, my parents told me there was a God, and I there was a God, and it seemed like there was a God, because I looked around, and there were stars, and and then you go, and some of you, there's a hang up to this next step, but some of you have done this, you're like, yeah, and then I believed in Jesus, and I believed he died for me, and I I thought that was awesome, and I felt forgiveness, and that was cool. A lot of you, if you're stagnant in your relationship with Jesus, and you haven't seen anything great happen, and you just go, this isn't what I read in the Bible, and those guys had miracles, and they all seem pumped, and and I know other people who seem pumped about their faith, but not me, then I suggest it is perhaps because you have never really interacted or thought about or considered or learned to pray in the Holy Spirit. You went, God, Jesus, stop. And it worked like that for a little while. But the, the being who has actually come into you and is interacting with you on a daily basis, you have paid very little attention to. And so I, I actually have more in my sermon, but I want to stop right here actually today, uh, which is, different than I normally do. I just want to leave us with this, uh, and we're going to come back next week, and we're going to continue to talk about the Holy Spirit for another week, and we'll talk about, you know, what it means to pray in the Spirit, because that's a weird term, and does that mean speaking in tongues and all that? But just this week, what I want you to do, if you're not a Christian, become a Christian. I mean, become one, because you need help. I need help. We all need help, and, and you don't have it, and I do, even if I haven't fully figured out how to embrace it. Uh, and, and if you are a Christian, what I want you to do this week is I want you, and this will look so different to so many people, I want you to just think about the Holy Spirit, to interact with the Holy Spirit, to go, hey, I'll try to listen to you. I don't, I don't exactly know what it means, but I need to read one more thing really quickly uh, before we, we do that, because notice this. Uh, Jesus says in 12 through 15, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. I'll stop there. And notice this now. As you think about the Holy Spirit and you think about what happened last week in our sermon where we saw like spiritually dark forces and there's evil in the world, you need to know this. Anything that you learn from the Holy Spirit, anything you hear from the Holy Spirit will be in line with two things. One, the Bible. The Bible. If you go, well, the Holy Spirit said this to me, and then you read the Bible, and it doesn't make sense, it doesn't line up, remember that the Holy Spirit helped write the Bible, so he's not going to say something different, and remember that Jesus is the one feeding the Holy Spirit the words that you are hearing from him, and so if it doesn't align with what you read in the Bible, no go, check it, throw it out, and the other part is, if what you hear from the Holy Spirit is not glorifying to Jesus, then it's not from the Holy Spirit either. I mean, it's dangerous to talk about the Holy Spirit, let's be honest, because there are spiritually dark forces that want to trick you. I talked about my experiences last week. They want to trick you. They want to hurt you. They want to tear you down. They want to make you believe things that are flat-out wrong. And so when you hear from the Holy Spirit, it must align with the Bible, and it must be something that glorifies Jesus because that is the Holy Spirit's purpose in your life. And so when you go, when you go this week, If you're not a Christian, I want you to do it too. Just go, hey, Holy Spirit, say something to me. Do something to me. Tell me where I ought to go. Tell me what I ought to say. Tell me what I ought to read in the Bible. Show me something. Uh, Heal something. Do something. Think about, talk to the Holy, we don't pray to the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you notice that, it's a side note. Like we say, hey God, Father, hey Jesus. But we never go, hey Spirit, can you do something for me? We never say that because we don't think about it. But just this week, all I'm asking and we'll come back next week, and we'll talk more about what it means and, and how to get to really the heart of this and really kind of how to put some nuts and bullets on it. But just this week, just go, Spirit, Holy Spirit, I believe in you, and I'm listening. I'm trying to hear from you. I'm looking for your following because I know, I know that you're there and you're in me, and you want to do something in me. If we're ever going to return, if we're ever going to return to the heart of the spirituality of Christianity, if we're ever going to make people believe that are looking for something spiritual, that it exists within Christian circles, then it's going to start with this being who has the name Spirit in his title and is here to help us and to move us along this journey that is the Christian faith. Will you pray with me? Lord, Spirit, Spirit, I pray that you would stir something in us right now uh, something in us that, that for those who maybe don't even believe in you and they're just like, well, that's who we, I pray you'd stir something in them right now that, that would cause them to go, oh, maybe there's something to this. And Lord, for those of us who have kind of, uh, you know, we would never say this out loud, but who have rejected you and, and and we've made the Christian faith just, you know, like a set of rules and a set of songs that we kind of hold to and abide to, I I, I pray that you would stir something in us right now, that your spirit would... Just do something that compels us to get to a place where, where we worship you in spirit and in truth and, and where we are following you and listening for you and, and recognizing that you are our guide on this journey. God, I think, I believe that, that, that we who are Christians who are here, we want all that you have to offer. But, but yet, yeah, Lord, I'm just admitting for myself, we have chopped off a very large part of who you are when we have ignored, denied, rejected the workings of your Spirit in our lives. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that that you would come upon us in a new way a powerful way, and as people seek you, and I hope people will, I pray that people will, as they go, I'll listen to you, God, I'll, I'll I'll try to hear from you, I'll pay attention to you, I'll try to be obedient to you, I pray that you would make yourself clearly known to them. Man, just be like the hologram in our lives that we can hear, even when others can't, Lord. Be a being that moves and helps us, and when we're facing, Lord, Adversity, when we feel like we're walking through the forest in the dark and we don't know which way to turn or which way to step when the ride of life is scary and we just are going I don't think I can get through this I'm panicking I pray that we would hear from you I say every week at this spot right there I say Jesus we love you but, but God Yahweh we love you Father, Spirit, Son, we love you because you first loved us. We pray these things because of the work that that you have done in our lives. Amen.